Four white shirts in the wall. It's Kieran Trippier. He's to scripture here and before we do that let's do a little brief review of where we came from so this short Christmas series what did we do we looked at point of views first of all we looked at Herod's point of view Jesus's birth in Herod's eyes what did he see like what did he see when uh, Jesus was born and that was the famous story in Matthew right we looked in the Matthew story and we concluded this that like Herod and like the Pharisees when Jesus enters into our lives, what does he do? First, he turns our lives upside down and inside out. He takes our closet in our hearts and shake it like crazy and reveal everything before us. Look who you are. Pretty sad, though, when we look at it. However, that's not Jesus. It doesn't stop there. What does he do? He offers us salvation. He says, all this wiped away. That's what the angel said. Jesus has come down to save us, to Joseph. The king has come to save us, to wipe out every sin, everything that you've done or doing or about to do. It's gone. He's come to save us. Are you going to receive that gift? Jesus has come to die on the cross, rise again, to conquer death, conquer the punishment of sin, and wipe everything that you've done and about to do, and those that you may not even know that you're about to do, away. Salvation has come to mankind. And you know what? That is an invitation for us to receive. However, we also know that this invitation cannot be received unless we give up our sins and our demons. What are what do we mean by demons? We give permission to these demons to reside in our hearts. Demons like lust, greed, selfishness, pride, uh, achievements, success, those things, those demons. If we continue to allow those demons to reside in our lives, there is no chance that we can invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. We, there is no chance to invite Jesus into our lives. None. Why? Because we knew that. Because look at Herod. Look at the Pharisees. They wanted to keep their lifestyle. They wanted those privileges. They didn't want this Jesus to come into their lives. And so they tried to kill him. And they tried very hard. In fact, they tried so hard, they did something unthinkable, a genocide. That was week one. The question is for all of us. Are we willing to continue to allow these demons in our hearts to reside in our lives? Or are we willing to say, Lord Jesus, get rid of these demons. I rebuke these demons. Get out of my life. And Holy Spirit, come into me and be the Lord of my life now. It's going to hurt, but I know that in the end, I will be saved and I will have an eternal relationship with God. A beautiful relationship with God. Next, we, following week, we did the point of view of who? Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
How many of you right now do not have peace? Zechariah and Elizabeth never had peace until, until the angel encounter. What do I mean by that? They were an old couple with no child. Back then, that was awful. Everybody's looking at you, especially a holy couple. Zechariah was a pastor. Elizabeth was a pastor's wife, right, of all things. They were supposed to be holy people, obedient people, and obedient people should be blessed by God. And how come they do not have a child, right? Gossip, rumors, everything galore. How can Zechariah and Elizabeth have peace? And that's why when the angel came, what did they say first to Zechariah and Elizabeth? Peace be with you. Peace has come to their lives because Jesus has arrived. Jesus has arrived. Jesus, the giver of peace. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they couldn't believe their eyes. They couldn't believe their ears of what they were hearing. Peace? How can I possibly have peace? For the past 80 years, I have been living in this anxiety, this anxiousness of trying to feel relevant in this world, significant contribution or whatever. How many of you have felt that or feeling it now? Am I making a significant contribution in this world? Am I being relevant? Or is, do I have a career that is actually significant? Is anybody going to listen to me? Why nobody is get my point? Follow? I know some couples, like both Rosanna and I know couples that are having a tough time having children. And they feel the same way. There's no peace. But we have to remind them that Pete, there's more, there's a giver of peace, and that is in Jesus. Peace be with you. That was the point of view of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, last week, we actually turned over to Revelation and looked at the point of view of the dragon. And the dragon hated Jesus when he came. He wanted to eat him up and devour him. Right? Why? It's because he brought in a new world order. A whole new world order that said that you don't need to, you don't need to no longer live a life of your own. You can live a life with a community, a community that you could sacrifice for others and a, and a community of love. You don't need to be watching over your back, watching everything that you do. You can now be in a community of freedom to love and a freedom to receive love. That's key, the freedom to receive love. Satan hates that. Satan wants you to be very inward focused. He wants you to lose sight of God. He wants you to just focus on yourself so that you could just keep stumbling and bumbling in your life and just have this vicious spiral. But then when Jesus arrived, and then when he knew what Jesus was up to, especially when it comes to, what, you're gonna die for them? You're gonna show to the world that there's actually a person out there that's willing to love you to death? How can this be? And Satan hated that. But when Jesus came, what happened to him? Hurling down. And he's still hurling down. Every time we proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, every time we show and reveal to the world our very own testimony of how Jesus has affected our lives and turned our lives around and enabled us to live a full life of what God has intended us to do, Satan is hurling down. Keeps hurling and hurling down. Amen? Amen. All right. Phew. I should just end there. Okay, now we are going into our final Sunday of this sermon series. And, I, and this sermon series I entitled as Disturbing Entrance, but uh, the subtitle is In the Angel's Point of View. What did the angels see in the, the, the Jesus' birth? So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. 
Let's begin. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes at cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That is God's word. See, I show you these videos. I never went to a World Cup. <laughs> but I, do, I did went to a few uh, NFL games down in the States, Seattle Seahawks games. And it was kind of like that. Not as wild. Actually, yeah, it is equivalently wild. Um, and in most of these games, uh, every Sunday, they had like around like at, uh, 80,000 people in one place. And uh, whenever the, um, yeah, that's kind of a depressing photo. Uh, but uh, every time they scored a touchdown, Right? The whole stadium would rumble. It would just go, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any YouTube videos of them measuring the decibels, but literally you would go deaf if, uh, if you were there. And uh, the whole stadium would rumble. It's like a whole, like a big earthquake. In fact, the whole city would actually feel it, right? It was crazy. And uh, so, uh, it's, it's, so every time I read this passage right here, uh, when, the, the head, the, when Luke says, a multitude, a multitude of angels, I would imagine this millions and millions of angels in the sky going, glory to God in the highest, peace to all men, a savior is one, you know, just think about it, right? Like millions of angels, something went bam, right in front of your face and they, like the shepherd just go, what the, and then they're just yelling and screaming with joy, right? Just saying, wow, hallelujah, the savior has been born. Peace to all men, like prophecy has been fulfilled. How can you not be excited, dude? <laughs> right? Like, they're like the shepherds, but then suddenly, oh, I cannot help it, but I'm me too. I'm praising God too. It's infectious. Here's another infectious moment. On the right side of, your, of that picture, it's Brooklyn Tabernacle. Rosanna and I went to Brooklyn Tabernacle, and we miss it. All right? It's like uh, we went to Brooklyn uh, and we visit, we had to make a point to visit Brooklyn Tabernacle. When we got there, we were late. Actually, right? We were a little late. Uh, subway, New York, you expect it, right? But when we were approaching the doors, it was already thumping. It was loud. It was thumping and rocking loud. And then, uh, of course, before we go to church, we, you have to go to the bathroom. So, like, uh, you know, she went uh, to hers and I went to mine. And then when I went in, man, the men there, there were actually people willing to pray for you. There was a guy there going, Can I pray for your brother? I'm like, Actually, I just want to go to the urinal and get out, <laughs> right? But, you know, people are like so overjoyed. And then when we went to the sanctuary, they were play, uh, singing uh, Your Grace is Enough. Do you know how long they sang that for? 15 minutes. 
15 whole minutes of saying your grace is enough. And, uh, and they were just overjoyed. You could see everyone in tears. You could see people praying for each other. You could see people laughing and hugging and just embracing and raising their hands and stomping their feet. Just overjoyed with, like, to, just to be in the presence of God. If you haven't been to Brooklyn Tabernacle, please give it a try. I highly recommend it. But it's just this joy, this warm feeling. Like, and so Rosanna and I, we couldn't help ourselves but to rejoice with them. It's infectious. It's just like, wow, you have that? I want that. Right? Has anyone ever asked you, like, as a Christian, wow, you have so much joy. I want that. Has anyone? I really want that. It has. Rosanna has. Her coworkers go, you have so much peace. I want that. You have so much peace. How can you possibly not get anxiety and frustration over this situation? I want that. You have this joy and this peace in you. I want that. We wanted that when we were there. Have you ever had that moment? That overjoy? That unbridled joy of passion and that, like, I know. Uh, Gary keeps on reminding me that we're a very introverted group. Uh, so, you know, like unbridled could mean many things. Unbridled means that you, some of you, unbridled means to just, you know, be uh, like a sitting Buddha. But, you know, like, um, however, right, have you ever, but the, really the, down to the principle is, have you ever had unbridled joy of uncontrollable joy that you just couldn't help yourself but to praise, just lift up and praise? to have over-enjoyment of what God has done for you. Yes, let's all bug Gary for stereotyping all of you. All right, so, all right, so let's go on. Let's go on. That is the question for us today. Now, I don't mean like uh, going crazy nuts like a Taylor Swift concert, right? What I mean is that this joy is different, isn't it? There's a purpose, there's a meaning, and there's a reason, and actually, it's ongoing. It's a life. Uh, as we know, in the, uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, scripture, joy is actually a life. It's a way of living. It's a way of life. Okay, let's go on to the next scripture here. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, and verse 14. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. What is on earth is the angel seeing? What do they see? Good news. Good news that will cause great joy. Great joy is caused by good news. Get it? Good news that will cause great joy? Well, guess what? It's great joy because it's by good news. Are you in need of some good news, maybe? Maybe the reason why we do not have unbridled joy is because we don't have any good news lately. Seriously, if you're an American, not much. But so, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, good news. Good news. Election's coming for you guys in 2020. <laughs> but good news, right? Good news that will create, there's a lot of imagery on that one, actually. It's dawn on me. <laughs> there's a lot of imagery for that one. But good news that will cause great joy. For those of us who need those, who experience that over jubilant moments, maybe it's time to revisit that. 
maybe the, like for those of us who did experience good, of great joy, of jubilant joy, of unbridled joy, maybe it's time to revisit that and ask us why. Ask yourselves why this may not is not happening again. How about for those of us who never? Do you want it? Do you desire it? And this is where I want to address this morning. For those of us who may never had it, who may never had that great joy of receiving Jesus into our lives, let's go into that and see why. Isaiah 9, 6, 7. We'll begin there. Because that's where the angels quoted. They quoted from Isaiah. Well, it's a fulfillment of prophecy, right? So we have to go through the prophets. So Isaiah 9 says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. Wow, the entire, in other words, the entire world order will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Good news. He is our wonderful counselor, Isaiah says. Wonderful counselor. Where have you seen this before? Counselor. That's the Holy Spirit. And we know that from Luke, in this passage, it, he plays a very big role. Jesus' entrance to our world is the entrance of the Holy Spirit, the counselor. The very one who would bring us into the fullness of Christ. The very one that will direct us in a life that's worth living. The one that actually brings healing, both physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing. The very one that will open our hearts, heal, and provide us with an experience of Jesus, the experience of God, a tangible presence of God. This is amazing. Jesus' birth, his entrance into the world, gave us the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, like, a, like every television commercial, but wait, there's more. Right? There's more good news. Mighty God. Jesus is God coming down to be with us. Like I said, this is not a God that we tend to think of. You know, this God of a tantu. You know, like the God that just whips you around like if you're bad. Right? A God that just thinks, oh, you're doing bad. Get rid of, or a God that is retribution, like uh, if you do something good, I'll give you something good. If you do something bad, I'll give you something bad, right? No, this is not the God we're talking about. This is a God that wants to marry us. This is a God that wants to be in a relationship with us. This is a God that actually wants to hug us, touch us. This is a God that wants to love us, care for us, provide for us, protect us. A God that actually cares about everything that we feel. He's a God of emotion, too. If you feel sad, he wants to be sad with you. If you're happy, he wants to be overjoyed with you. A God that wants to say, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, because you know why? That's what he does for you. This is our God, a personal God. And you know, folks, this is just an illusion, um, little segue to a new series that we'll be doing in January called Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, the entire book is about that. God coming down desiring a personal relationship with you. A personal relationship with you. Good news! A God that is not like some inanimate object, some little spirit out there, he wants to come down and be with us. Another good news, everlasting father. I don't know where you come from. I don't know how your parents are like. Um, but I know that uh, this 
could come hard to some of you and to some people like that, that I know, some friends, who may not have an ideal father. This father, the everlasting father, is good news for them because this father cares a lot for us and doesn't nag. If you see, if you remember the prodigal son, he, what did the father do when the prodigal son comes back? He didn't nag him. He didn't say, I told you so, right? You should have done this, right? And I told you so many times over. Like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at you because I love you. He never does that, right? How many of you heard that before, right? No, he is a father who just loves us, who embraces us. Tony Compola once said, uh, he shared a story. He goes, like, uh, there was a, um, a father who was on a business trip, and he missed his daughter really much. And it was like a three-year-old dog, like uh, Brianna. And then uh, uh, Brianna, oh, well, not Brianna, and his daughter <laughs> at the airport waiting for her, her dad threw up, all right, threw up before his dad, uh, her dad landed. So there was like a lot of puke all over her, right? Like wet and everything, just before the gate opened. The dad lands, comes to the gate, sees the puke-ridden daughter, right? What does he do? Chases after her and gives her the biggest hug. Puke and all. In his suit. That's our father. No matter how much we feel that we look at ourselves that we're full of puke, we're full of blemishes and all that, we do not need to be afraid of our father. Our father will love us and embrace us. Good news. This is what the angels saw. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Jesus brings peace, eternal and infinite peace that has no end. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth, he brings peace. But not just any peace, not just the personal peace. He brings world peace. Justice, righteousness will reign forever. Meaning no chaos, no destruction, no violence, no exploitation, no deception, no cynicism, and definitely no death. Wow. That peace. So it's no more looking over your shoulder. No more thinking of how other people see you. No more of evaluating yourself and comparing to other people. No more saying, why am I not having this while this person has this? None of that. You have infinite peace. And the funny thing is, uh, the angels repeat it again in Revelation. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation 5. It, this is interesting. The, the angels, they're like a broken record, but there's a reason for that. And then so that they, do, they say it again in, in Revelation 5. Revelation 5, verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels. Again, where have we seen this before? Many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Folks, this is just basically a metaphor for a lot. Okay? A lot of angels are in that sky, circling around. Okay? Just think about it. Right? They circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Yes, even that slug. Yeah, I'm just saying. And on the earth and the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said in a big loud voice, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. How can you not fall down and worship in that sight? 
How can the shepherds not fall, help but fall down? How could Rosanna and I not fall down in worship in Brooklyn Tabernacle? It's because of the overjoy of the entire universe, and we're not playing our part. Get it? Like right now, currently, if you look, if you're a Greek person and you want to look at Greek, the angels are still rejoicing as we speak. How can we not join in? How can we not possibly join in? We couldn't help ourselves when we were in the tabernacle, right? Like the folks in the Seattle Seahawks Stadium couldn't help themselves but to hug each other because everybody else was. How can we not? Like if the multitudes and millions and millions and millions of angels are rejoicing, how can we not? So like fall down as well like the elders did and rejoice and worship today. Amen? Amen. Thank you. See, now we have a Pentecostal in, in the making. All right, Revelations chapter 21, verse 1 to 8. This is good news, folks. Good news. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for their husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Folks, this is not something in the future. This is something happening now. God with us, Emmanuel. If you look at the, uh, the Aramaic here, it's actually Emmanuel. <laughs> It's, a, it's, it's where that quote is. They will be with his people, and God himself will be with him and be with their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Where have we seen this? Mary's song. Everything's passed away. No more mourning. No more sickness. No more crying of pain. The old order is gone. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's amazing. Basically, what Jesus is saying, what the angels are, re are rejoicing about, is that a new world has arrived. A new kingdom is breaking in, or what my mentor would say, bleeding in. Right? Jesus' coming, Jesus' birth inaugurated a new kingdom, a new order. And Mary was overjoyed. Why? She overjoyed in song because the old, word is, the old is turned upside down. The low is made high. No mourning, no tears, everything's wiped away. No sickness, no illness, no pain. And now, let's go back to us. For those of us who never felt this unbridled joy, maybe now this is a, something that, that, that you know more, but it's only up to here, right? It's only here. Like, I filled you here. Now it's time to go, okay, what's wrong with this then? How come, John, I'm not responding the way I'm supposed to respond like the angels now? What's wrong here then? Matthew chapter 2, verse 17. Here's what's wrong. And here's what I propose what's wrong. And this is what Jesus is saying. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You cannot receive this joy, this unbridled joy. You cannot receive Jesus if you do not see yourself sick. You cannot say that you need healing when you say you don't need healing. 
You see, when I went, go to the doctor, what am I actually admitting? I'm saying, I, okay, white flag. <laughs> All my cards are gone, right? Chips are down, right? Uh, I tried everything from naturopathy to, you know, like uh, these silly vitamin C things and everything. I'm done. Tap out. I'm going to the doctor. I'm literally admitting that I cannot do it myself, right? When I go to the doctor. And then my doctor smiles and goes, I told you so. But, you know, but, and then, however, it takes a lot of admittance. But it's not just visiting the doctor and hearing her what she says, right? It's actually doing it. It's actually to submit ourselves to the doctor's instructions. And Jesus knew that. And that's why for us, maybe, just maybe, the reason why we're not overjoyed, the reason why maybe we don't feel that sense of joy or the sense of the Holy Spirit filling us, is maybe because we don't see ourselves sick. We don't see ourselves ill. We do not see our demons. We do not see our demons hidden because we gave them too much permission to reside in us. Maybe it's time that we find somebody, find someone, a pastor, a friend, who can pray with us to get rid of those, to allow the Holy Spirit to enter into our lives and realize where those demons are hiding, living in us. Because what is really preventing us from this joy to actually hear the angels singing today? What's preventing us from hearing the angels singing and rejoicing today? There's millions of them singing right now. How can we don't see that? How can we can't hear that? It's because I feel, and this is what Jesus says, it's because we're not sick. We don't see ourselves sick. The Pharisees, they were stubborn. They were callous. Why? It's because they don't see themselves as sick. They see, oh, it's all good. I, come to, I go to church. I already got baptized. I'm done. No, you're not. You haven't even begun to taste the life-giving message of the gospel. You haven't begun to live in an adventure, which we will get into in Deuteronomy. You haven't begun to sense what God has in store for you. Bigger things. New kingdom things. So here are some questions I want to leave with all of you uh, before we close. Can I suggest you to make this Christmas a little bit different then from the years past? To disturb the usual Christmas routine. This Christmas, find a friend. Find a godly friend whom you trust. Then pray together and ask yourself, do you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit today and receive the gift as many before you have done in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? Do you desire that joy? Do you desire that overjubilant, unbridled joy that he has in store for you? If so, then do this. First, with a friend. Pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and your heart to reveal the, the demons that you have in your heart. To reveal whatever. What could it be? Pride, greed, lust, uh, you know, self-consciousness, anxiety, worries, whatever. Anything that's in you right now, pray with a friend or pray with your spouse or pray with whoever you trust to reveal those. Then, in the name of Jesus, denounce them. In the name of Jesus, go. Get out. Be gone. I am not bonded by you anymore. Then pray this. Lord Jesus, enter my life and create the greatest disturbance in my life. Dangerous request, but we all need it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If there are any other spirits, rid them so that I may be an empty vessel for you to enter into my life. 
for your spirit can give me unbridled joy. I believe your spirit will be giving me unbridled joy. I want to experience that. Help me see how your good news saves my life. Help me see the good news that's truly good. Good, so good beyond anything. Let me feel that joy. Great, unending, powerful joy. Full of contentment and peace. Full of hope and love. Full of you. Help me rejoice with unbridled joy. Help me raise my voice. Raise my heart and allow me to worship the way you specifically created me to be. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Amen. For those of you who are wondering where this material is coming from, there's a book called Soul Care, and I, reckon I put it forward to all your cell group leaders. Soul Care by uh, Rob Reimer. And uh, there's a video series on it as well. And I encourage, if you do decide to work with somebody whom you trust, your spouse or a godly friend, to work with that book, to guide you through the conversation with God, so that you can see where am I giving these demons a permission and to get rid of them and experience unbridled joy. Amen.